You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing today? Um, I hope it's good. I hope everyone's doing as best as they could be. I mean, aren't we all as best as we could be, even if you're shit, you know? Because that's the best you can be, or else you'd be something else, right? I am in that boat today. I am so late getting this podcast on because I have been completely unmotivated to do it. I, every, I did start it like hours and hours and hours ago. And I just was in like a, I felt like I was circling the drain of negativity and had to just stop it because I was like, I am not in a good place. So I wrote to my producer, Noah, and I asked if I could submit this one very late today. So shout out to my producer, Noah, for working on this later than even usual, which is, it's always late. (laughs) Um, But I just have been depressed today. It's back on, um, which I always know it's, it returns. It's not full on yet, like it's been in the past or, you know, even pretty frequently in the past. It lifted, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I've been, I've been depressed up and down throughout this quarantine and I literally do one of these five days a week so you can actually trace it. Um, I'm always pretty honest about where I stand, but I've been like, you know, my symptoms for depression, I don't know how yours manifest or if you get depressed, but mine usually like come when I'm doing meditation or when I'm like, I shut my eyes, I just um, have suicidal ideations that just kind of like bloop, just like float into my head and they are not summoned. I don't sit down and try to think of them. I don't like thinking of them. It's not something that's, it does because become something that's soothing when I eventually get very, very depressed. Then those thoughts tend to be like a nice little blanket. Not one of the blankets I talked about that have the cottony thing and the satin at the top. I hate those blankets. It actually becomes one. No, no, it becomes a nice blanket. It becomes like a down comforter, which I hate down because it hurts gooses or geese or however you say it, but um, God damn it. They are comfy. Um, but yeah, that's when, how it starts is little like whoop, little, little thoughts that just like bubble in that are like, man, that's a way to kill yourself. That's another way to kill yourself. Honestly, I don't even feel bad telling you guys this because I don't, it's not like I ask for these thoughts to come into my head. And so I don't feel like guilty about them. They just like show up. It's like, it's like anything, you know, it's like, uh, I, I always compare it to like getting the sniffles when you have like a cold coming on. It just, you don't get, you're not embarrassed because you have sniffles or maybe you are. I don't know. Some people just have, there's so much stigma around obviously mental illness and being depressed or having an eating disorder, whatever the fuck you're dealing with, being a drug addict, being a food addict, being, um, a sex addict. It's like you're choosing it, which I, it just isn't true. You're not. So I've kind of let go of any of that, um, stuff, even though, you know, people always compare mental illness with like, with like actual, not actual disease, with other diseases, like let's say cancer, you know, you don't get mad at someone for having cancer, really. I mean, I guess you could be like, you smoked all those years. I'm so mad at you. But like generally when people get cancer, you don't go like, it's your fault. Yet, you know, if you have an eating disorder or uh, if you're obese or you're underweight or you're whatever, you're a drug addict. It's like, just stop doing that. That's your fault, right? Um, however, I think with coronavirus, it's actually more like mental illness than, than cancer in the sense that like people, if, if you, that's why the mask thing, I think is such a controversial thing is because like when you wear a mask around people or like want to back up when they're getting too close to you, it's almost like insulting to them. Cause you're like, you might have the disease and then, oh my God, that means you're a bad person. If you have the disease, you're somehow less than 
when it's really like anyone can fucking get it, you know? But, and also a lot of people don't want to wear a mask because they're like, I don't want to look like I have the disease because then that would make me weaker. So it's just a lot of like the perception of maybe having coronavirus makes you look like, makes you seem like a less than. Which it honestly, I, that's one of the reasons I stopped touring is because I didn't want to catch it and then have to go on my Instagram and be like, I have it, I caught it, I'm one of the idiots that caught it. Because it, it kind of is something that if you aren't being diligent about, you will catch and you're going to look stupid if you've been one of these like socially irresponsible people and then you get it. You are going to look kind of stupid. You're going to have to eat crow a little bit. And I don't want to be one of those people, even though if you do have it and you got it and you've been safe all along, it can, you can get it in ways some people are just like, I don't even know how I got it. You know, I was being smart, but I don't really think that that's generally the case. I mean, people that are getting it, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been talking about this for five minutes. Anyway, I'm depressed. Um, it started out like the, the, like I said, just like the thoughts and I don't know, man, I just like, I can be, I can, I can, I know that I have things that can make it better and that it won't send me into a full blown depression cycle. I know that there are things that I can do. I, I doubled my meditation today. I went on a run. I went on a long walk with my dog. I, um, I didn't reach out to any friends because I'm at the stage where I don't want to talk to people. This is kind of generally, unless they're, I'm on a podcast and they can't talk back. <laughs> um, I'm really triggered by people's perfect lives today. That's a part of it. You know, like I should stay off Instagram. Um, I, but I know that I could like steer out of this, but I don't, I really don't know how. I know there is a way to do it, but I'm not willing to do those things. It really does feel like how I felt when I was backing out of the Arkansas Airbnb that I rented two weeks ago and I backed into a ditch. Remember that story? At first I was backing up and it was kind of like, whoa, you're kind of going the wrong way. And my friends who were waving goodbye were kind of like, steer the other way. They were kind of signaling me. And it was like totally avoidable for me to not go in this ditch, even though I was kind of veering towards it, but I just kept going into the ditch. And then once you're in the ditch, I just couldn't get out. And that's how I feel right now is like, I'm veering towards the ditch and my friends are like motioning me to get out of it, but I don't I can't understand their emotions. I can't understand my emotions. Um, so that's how I feel. So I hope to steer, steer out of it. I am, I'm doing what I can. That's all I'll say. I'm doing what I can to, um, feel better. I took a fucking really long nap. I should add that to the list of things I did today. I tend to not want to nap when I'm depressed because it just makes me feel like I'm not getting things done. And so much of my worth as a human being is reliant on getting work done and making calls and sending emails and uh, just, just, you know, putting a little like finish stamp on things even though they're not nothing's ever really finished it's like I send an email being like got your email and then I feel like some kind of accomplishment like no that's not really anything but um I did take a nap because I was like fuck it I just want this day to fly by mini suicide that's what Nick Griffin one of my favorite comedians calls naps is mini suicides and that's maybe why I feel a little bit bad about doing them but I took a bomb ass nap and I can't wait to go to sleep tonight I'm really like in the stage where I just sleeping is just so, so nice. Um, I had a really bad dream this morning that I woke up to that I can't even get into, but it just was so real. And it's, it's so exactly the feelings that I've been having around a certain 
situation in my life. And it's, it wasn't even like metaphoric or um, like, oh, is that my middle school? No, it was just like the fear that I fear. It just like happened in my dream. And I woke up and um, was very sad because the, I was just, I just felt like such an idiot in my dream. I just felt stupid and uh, overlooked and um, unlovable. All those things were the feelings that I woke up with this morning. And it's hard to shake that. And I always kind of like roll my eyes when people say like, I had a bad dream and I can't get out of it. I'm just like, don't you know the difference between a dream and, or a nightmare and real life? Like shake it off, shake it off. But I really couldn't shake it off this morning. Um, and I do think that I went to bed not watching the greatest thing. I watched um, the I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is actually five or six episodes. I'm thinking it's five because I just watched the fourth episode last night. And they they got the guy at the end of the episode. So the next episode, I guess, is is talking about the guy himself because they haven't like shown his face even though i've seen the face and in, in his face in the press and everything it's really fascinating how they caught him but the fourth episode of the series if you don't know it's all begun in the dark it's um pat oswalt's late wife uh michelle mcnamara mara um wrote a true crime um book or was in the process of writing a true crime uh book about the Golden State Killer, who is this guy that raped like 50 rape cases, 50 plus rapes, and then like 10 plus murders. And he was spooky and psychotic and one of the, it's the creepiest thing ever and it's on HBO. But I hadn't watched the fourth episode yet. My parents had already seen it, but then they watched it again with me and they literally couldn't remember anything that happened. So I'm like, did you guys even watch this? Like, that's the joy of living with people in their like mid sixties. Cause you can just watch things over and over cause they don't remember anything they watched. And I like watching things over and over because I like to get all of the information out of it. I don't like to miss things. And if I like something, I watch it over and over and over and over and over uh, spectrum little spectrum of me but I that's what I like I just like watching things over and over and over so um but this dealt with her death which was brought on by a combination of pills that one of them being fentanyl um the stuff that she was getting was not prescribed so it was cut with she you know people when they get addicted to pills they start getting them from other sources that aren't doctors and then they get cut with the synthetic um opiate fentanyl which like if you have like a speck of it it can kill you like literally a little like glitter piece of glitter size of it it kills you so that's how she died and it just got me kind of freaked out because they were talking about like the stuff she was like oh she um she takes this in the morning and she takes this in the evening and it just seemed so like oh yeah and then i take this to sleep and um, it kind of was like, wow, I've taken some of those things and that's a slippery slope into a fucking ditch in Arkansas. But it was just really sad to see th them talk about this girl, this girl, I knew she was like, she was young, um, who died just in her sleep. And so I went to sleep with that in my head, which was not good. And she had like a young daughter and I don't, and it made me feel like, oh, I don't even want that because I don't want to risk dying early. Like I was already like just going so many places that I didn't need to go. And then I woke up today and was just in a sad, sour mood.
and I was rude to my dad. I think honestly, I'm getting kind of depressed because my dad's back has been hurting. And my dad is like this kind of like, um, he's just like so fit and so healthy and really has never had any health issues. And his back is so jacked up and he just has never had anything like this. And it's, I think it's just painful to see my parents like in pain. I really hate it. I hate seeing other people in pain. Um, animals especially. And um, my dad's a fucking animal. No, I just, I get, I get sad about that. My own stuff, I feel like I could deal with more than other people's. Like I got really depressed earlier because I went on a walk with my dog and there were three deer like nestled in the grass, like taking a breather, just like chilling. And we like spooked them and they had to run off. And I was like, God, now they're going to like probably get hit by a car. And they were just enjoying that so much. And I disrupted them. Like I had this weird guilt about it for a while. And then, um, yeah, I just like, and then even the black and white weird campaign that all these women are doing now, I guess I made fun of it last night because it's so stupid. I mean, the, the whole story behind it, where it started is not stupid because apparently there's like women are being murdered in Turkey, the country Turkey, all the time. I don't know why you guys would think in Turkey, like in a Turkey, women are being murdered. Why did I have to emphasize or specify country? <laughs> but it, I guess it's spurred from the fact that there's uh, femicide happening all the time in Turkey women just disappearing all the time being murdered and then there's black and white images of them, of them on the newspaper every day and they they decided to like make this a campaign but the 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 movement that's happening online is just like women for women and it's all like very it's just women posting hot pictures of themselves and putting a black and white filter on it and it just made me like kind of mad and like what is this i honestly was like i think i have to get off social media and i've not ever thought that before I was just like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I'm not doing it. And I'm, I'm so tired of people being hot and like trying to be hot and just get validation for being hot. It is so fucking empty. And you guys know me. I mean, you heard me yesterday. I talked to my mom about it. It's just so depressing, but apparently it's for a good cause. So maybe I'll put one up, but I doubt it. I fucking doubt it. I'm really done posting like sexy pictures of myself. It's like so nauseating. I can't even take it. Um, if you enjoy it, keep doing it. I have no problem with that. But I just, it's, it's really hard. I had someone write to me um, about my discussion yesterday with my mom. This comes from Jennifer on Instagram. Thank you, Jennifer, for this. I got a lot of nice messages today from different fans of the show. So thank you for sending these DMs and um, cause yesterday I just felt like it was all over the place. And certainly today I do. So I apologize for being in the mindset I am. I'm going to get it together on the second half. She says, Hey, Nikki was listening to you and your mom discuss why you don't like receiving compliments on your looks and totally started crying as I can relate to your feelings. I have always been a slightly hippie-ish gal and usually didn't wear much makeup, if any, when I do, I tend to get compliments, which should make me feel nice. But instead I just think, about all the times that they must have thought that I looked like shit or thought, wow, she looks so much better with makeup. Too bad she doesn't wear it more often. I'm 43 and I'm trying to age gracefully, but it's hard being a woman sometimes. I also can't help but feel a bit resentful towards men who don't have to deal with this shit. Yeah. Um, a man just like looks like what he looks like and there's little things that he can do to look better, but generally like it's kind of is what it is. Whereas a woman, there's such range and 
rage when I think about that range. So I appreciate that note from you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for relating. And uh, thank you for everyone who's sending stuff about uh, Taylor Swift and talk about crying. <laughs> I can't believe I made someone cry with my podcast. That really means a lot to me, honestly. Um, but Taylor Swift, I'm just like, I can't, I'm so in love with this album, you guys. I am literally, the way that people fall in love with objects and like Ferris wheels and bridges, you've seen those shows, right? On like TLC where like, human usually weird women fall in love with like the eiffel tower and they like have a romance that's what i'm doing with the song august by taylor swift it's becoming obsessive and i don't know what to do about it except just enjoy it but i am almost maybe getting depressed because i feel my love affair with august the song coming like reaching a crescendo and it's on its way out, and I don't have a thing to replace it with. I don't have a new love interest. I'll have to find another one on the album. It, there's always new music coming out. I can always find a new song, but I, it's been so long since I've been obsessed with this song in this way. So that's where I am. I'm going to be right back with more show after this. And I'm back. Um, hey, guys. So, yes, um, it's been one of those days. I don't even know how I'm going to get through tonight. I don't, there's nothing new I want to watch on TV. I really do need new recommendations for you, from you. Love on the Spectrum. So many people told me to check that out. And of course, I loved it so much. If you could send any suggestions for things, I would love it. Andrew is adamant that I see the great on Hulu. But all I see is a picture of Elle Fanning kind of looking at me angrily. And I just don't love scripted things. So I'm just, I really am down for some reality. Um, that's what I like. I know there's a new Indian matchmaking show, like a dating show that I could probably get into. Um, I might try that tonight. I did watch Sleepless in Seattle the other night, and I just wanted to like follow up on my final thoughts about that movie, having seen it as a 36-year-old woman who is probably older than Meg Ryan's character is supposed to be in that. Um, first of all, so much deceit in that film. So much lying like Meg Ryan lies to Bill Pullman's character so severely that it is, it's almost hard to watch. Um, I don't like lying. I don't really think it's a trait, even when you're cheating on someone because you're meant to be with Tom Hanks, it's excusable. Um, I'm not going to say I haven't lied before or, you know, been in a relationship before and you get a crush on someone else and you don't, uh, you know, come right out and say your feelings to your partner about these other feelings that you have. Like, but to go through with a, to lie and say you're going to Chicago for a report and then fly to Seattle instead to stalk a man who doesn't love you is a pretty intense lie. Um, and I really do try not to lie anymore in my life. I, uh, it's very hard. It's very hard. Now, when I do lie, I tend to just feel terrible. I mean, I bet there's something about my depression that is being caused right now by a lie I told. Like some little lie, either to myself or to someone else, the littlest like um, bullshit can send me into that. But 
I can't trace it at this moment. But like lying is such shit. And if you're someone who lies on the reg, even about like, just, you need to read Sam Harris's on lying that book. It's like a very short pamphlet read. You can get through it and I, you will, it will be hard. You will be hard pressed to find a reason to lie ever again, even a white lie. Um, but so yeah, there's a lot of lying in that movie and I really do want to see a follow-up with them. Like it would be so cool to get them now because they're both still alive and to like have a sleepless in Seattle too and see what happens when they walk out hand in hand from the Empire State Building and they start their life. Because you don't really get to see them together ever. The whole movie, which is one of my favorite movies ever and it still is one of my favorite movies. The whole movie, they don't, they don't hang out. At least in You've Got Mail, they're hanging out the whole time. Yes, they get together at the end and you don't get to see their life as a romantic couple, but the whole movie, they are interacting and you get to see their, how they are together. This movie, they see each other twice and they just say hello. All I could say was hello. It's a line from the film. Um, but yeah, it's super cute. I think I would kind of, it's ideal to be in a Meg Ryan type situation. Um, I think that's kind of what I want for myself. She gets to end up with a guy who is a successful architect that has an amazing house in Seattle. I mean, which is one of the coolest houses I've ever seen. Do you guys remember that? It's like on a dock and they take the boat out all the time. Not that I'm like someone who wants to take a boat out, but I, if I lived, like if my boat was just in my front yard, I'd take the boat out all the goddamn time. My parents are rolling in their couches in the next room just hearing me say that because they have a boat like 10 miles away and I never go on it. But if it was right in the backyard, I would take it out. Um, but, and he already has a kid. So boom, you get a kid. I'm like looking maybe for a stepmom situation. I'm like kind of maybe entertaining that idea more than having my own kids, certainly more than having my own kids. I mean, that is just not in the books for old Clay's dog anytime soon. Um, and I'm 36. So it's like, it's, it's kind of a little a late to be not, it's not impossible. I have like almost a decade until it becomes truly, truly impossible. Less than a decade. Yikes. Um, where did the time go? Literally, when did this all happen? When did I go from being like a 22-year-old girl who just didn't need a boyfriend, didn't really want a boyfriend, didn't want a relationship, wasn't even thinking about kids, I had so much time to now I'm 36 and I'm in the same exact mindset. I blame Taylor Swift. She's kept me young. Um, but yeah, the, I just, I loved watching that movie. I need to go back and watch more movies that I watched when I was young and then see them now through the eyes of an adult. And I was looking at Nora Ephron's filmography. Is that what it's called? When the, you go through all their films? I feel like there's a different word for it, but it's eluding me right now. And remember the movie Michael? She wrote that movie and directed it. It was when John Travolta played a gigantic angel come to life. It's, it was one of my favorite movies. I got to go back and watch that. I was like sexually attracted to William Hurt who's like 48 in the film probably. And I was literally sexually attracted to him at like a young age, like maybe 12 or 13 when that came out. And I was like, that's who I want to marry is a guy like William Hurt. And I haven't thought about him since, but I remember like really feeling guilty about being attracted to this like old man when I was so young. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I do think, I do blame Taylor Swift in a way for keeping me so young. 
I have, I may not look young on the outside. I might not look 22 on the outside. And people, it's so funny that women are always praised for looking so much younger than their age on the outside, but women are never praised for being young on the inside. And I want some of that. I want people to be like, you, you are such a, like, I am a young soul. <laughs> I really do feel that way. I am stuck in, like, I still have very much, I feel like, uh, uh, probably stuck at like 16. Um, that's where I feel like I am just emotional, not emotionally. I mean, I'm well more advanced than I was at 16 emotionally, but I do feel like I care about things as much as I did at 16. Like, and maybe it's just from living at my parents' house and Taylor Swift's new album coming out and me being kind of obsessed with it in a way that like I, my ex-boyfriend texted me this morning. It was really nice. Cause he was like, Oh, I wanted to get hear what you had to say about Taylor Swift, which he's never been a huge Taylor Swift fan, which um, didn't get in the way of our relationship because I really, really got into her kind of like after we broke up because that's when, um, reputation came out was right when we broke up and I used to run around the Silver Lake Reservoir just thinking about my broken relationship and becoming obsessed with that album which is probably my favorite album of hers because of that because it just was when I really got attached to her as an artist and like you know just a little too attached codependent on on her and um so we haven't been together since I become truly obsessed although when we did get back together we broke up once um, this is before Reputation, that album, but we broke up in like 2015 and we were starting to like dabble and talking again. It was probably two months after we broke up and we both still really cared about each other, but I wasn't completely forgiven for what I had done. Even though, talking about Taylor Swift, I rewrote a Taylor Swift song. I don't know if you guys know this. I've probably told it on the podcast before. I, the song back to December is an apology song that she writes where she heard a guy and she's apologizing. So I rewrote the lyrics to that song and I sang it and Anya Marina like put my vocals on top of the instrumental to that song. And then I sent it to my ex-boyfriend and that was like the first step in us kind of like breaking the ice and talking again, because it was really funny. It was a funny song because I rewrote all the lyrics in, in a funny way, but also sang it very sincerely. Like, like, uh, it was on, I remember Tom Takar, who was my friend at the time and like used to open for me. He was staying with, or he was visiting New York and he was in the room when I was putting down the vocals for that. And it was humiliating that he saw me like sing with such passion to this song that I rewrote the lyrics to. Anyway, so, but okay, so cut to a couple weeks later, my ex boyfriend was producing Taylor Swift's um, 1989 first live performance on top of a building in new york and there were like 70 people at the show and i got to go and it was incredible she played like three songs and they were all like fresh hits that just it was it was awesome so he he is really um he definitely has hooked up my obsession and like knows about it but he reached out to me today and was like he asked me i wanted to read you guys my response was just about to text you when I got that. Oh, I sent him something. I was just about to text you when I got that to see how happy you were with the TS album. Um, and this is my response. At first I was disappointed because I like when she does big poppy albums, but then I spent a half a day with it and I can't stop listening. I always lamented that I never got to have Taylor Swift when I was in high, when I was a high schooler who needed it. But now I feel like she's there for me during a weird time where I feel like I'm in high school again. Um, and that's really how I feel about her is that I always was angry that all I had in high school was Britney Spears who was telling me that hit me baby one more time and Christina Aguilera and 
I mean, there were no female artists that were making me feel like, uh, I don't know, that there were more important things than being hot and fuckable. There just weren't when I was in high school. It was the only messaging I got. Maybe I just wasn't listening to the right things. I know I wasn't. I mean, I was into Nelly Furtado. She had some positive stuff, but not really like life-changing lyrics that really resonated with me as much as Taylor. But then I realized that this album, I was like, I finally got Taylor Swift as a high schooler because I am a high schooler again. And this is like very soothing. The song August, please listen to it. I've just been, I can't stop reading about it on Reddit. I know I'm, I know I'm alienating people by talking about Taylor Swift too much. I, it's all I have going on right now though, guys. It's all I care about. I'm learning it on guitar. I've played it like six times today. That's another thing I'm doing for my depression. I'm playing guitar a lot, even though my dad is always in the next room judging my rhythm. And I still have none, but I'm playing with noise canceling headphones on so I can't hear that I don't have rhythm. So when I'm playing, it actually feels like I might. And then I feel like if I just do that enough, it will just come. It's kind of like how I cry. I usually cry with noise canceling headphones on too because I don't like to hear myself cry because it's too embarrassing because I'm so bad at it, <laughs> I guess. It's easier just to do and not hear it. Um, but that song, August, give it a listen. And I was on Reddit last night reading about it and someone said, um, at 3.09, what is that feeling at 3.09 where you punch the air when you want to punch the air? And I was like, oh my God, yes. At 3.09 in that song, I, it's the best I've felt in months. It's like coming for me, the way I feel at 3.09. Like I said, though, on the last half of this podcast, it is diminishing each time. Like I, yesterday, two days ago was probably when I was like peak Ariana Grande, Pete Davidson in love with that song. And like, it was my everything. Like I literally was feeling in love with the song. And now I'm just like on the, not on the outs with it. We're always going to be friends. It's always going to be one of my favorite songs, but it's just, it, it's diminishing returns at this point. I got, I got to stop. I got to give it a break. I'm going to Michigan in two weeks. I'm going on vacation or not two weeks next week. Holy shit. I'm going to Michigan. My best friend who you heard on the podcast last week, Hala, um, her episode aired on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Um, I'm going to her parents have a, her family has a house up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And it, I went there as a kid 20 years ago and many summers, I think three summers I went there in a row. And it's just like such a fucking nice town. It's like really waspy, I want to say. I don't even know what that means, but it's like everyone wears pastels. The lawns are perfect. There's a lot of new money, a lot of old money up there. And I am so excited to go up into that kind of environment where I feel like kind of a misfit. My friend Hala too doesn't really fit in it either, even though her family's up there. But I just, I want to go somewhere that, first of all, this Taylor Swift album is about that. There's a whole song about this woman who buys a house on like in the Hamptons and she's like trash from St. Louis and she goes, she buys a house like, and this is like in the probably 1950s. It's based on the woman who bought, who owned Taylor's house before Taylor did. Taylor bought a house in like Rhode Island or on the Cape or whatever, Hamptons. They're all the same to me. And this woman, Rebecca, she wrote like a bunch of songs about like what she imagined this woman to be, who was kind of like a hellraiser who came in and um, married into this house. And then 
she just caused a ruckus because she was like a crazy woman that everyone was like, she's not, she doesn't belong here. Um, and that's kind of how I feel going up to Michigan and being around all these people who are like super rich and like dignified and probably have taken like, um, you know, those classes where they like, as they teach you how to eat and like sit up straight, what are they called? Where they make a women walk with books on their heads. That's how I feel like I'm going in there and I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. And the girl in the song, The Last Great American Dynasty, which is the song I'm talking about from the Taylor Swift album about this woman. She's from St. Louis. And speaking of trash, last night my mom told me, I, I do feel trashy. And that's one of my like things that depresses me. I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to end with this, but I got depressed yesterday. I think I'm tracing it. This has helped me get to the root of it. Last night, my mom told me that some woman down by their cabin where they go, where they have the boat that I refuse to go on, um, said that her son is a huge fan of mine. My mom was like, this woman like came in our car practically, was leaning in her car. My mom was just telling a story about a woman not practicing social distancing, right? Which that was the story. We were talking about people not like adhering to social distance. And my mom was like, yeah, this woman like came into our car to tell us that her son loves you because you're trashy. And I was like, did I need to know that part of the story? Did I? It's really triggering for me to be called trashy and gross or like dirty. And I just, I'm tired of it. I did a, the, an NPR interview today. And before my interview, I was just waiting on, uh, waiting to go live. And I was hearing what the woman said before they went to commercial break and they were coming back with my, my thing. And she goes, Nikki Glazer is up next. And she has assured us she will keep it. Uh, she will not be blue. And I was just like, um, I'm depressed. I'm that kind of blue. I'm going through a blue period, but I'm not going to be disgusted. Like I, the fact that I'm labeled a sex comic is so fucking hilarious to me because Glazed Dog has not sex since June of 2019. I have encountered two penises since then. One, one was each one time. So two separate instances of, of fresh dick and neither went inside my body down there. If you know what I'm saying in the front. No, just kidding. But I'm not like, I'm just, I don't, it's going to be weird if, if people come to my shows in the following, in the coming years, expecting to hear a lot of sex material. Cause that's just not where I'm, where I'm coming from. And I'm also going to prove to anyone who says that I'm a one note performer, that that's all I can talk about. I'm not even trying to prove it. I don't even want to talk about those things anymore. Cause I'm not doing them. Although please keep sending me your, your porn. That is, um, Again, my search words, respectful gang bang is what I'm looking for. A woman who is being um, banged a lot, not so much mouth stuff because I don't enjoy blowjobs in the middle of gang bangs because the girl is not being able to have any fun if she's also gasping for breath. Sorry, just no fun is being had. And I don't, uh, she can maybe here and there have one in her hand or something, but like just, but it's impossible to find you guys. It doesn't exist. And what I'm learning is that I have to produce my own porn. So I'm going to go do that or at least think about doing it. Um, and we will talk tomorrow. Thanks for hanging in with me during this weird ass podcast. Keep your DMs coming. They make me so happy. Any Taylor Swift thoughts you have, send them my way. I am here to talk about Taylor Swift for you. I have nothing else going on. I'll at least like what you have to say. Um, and listen to the song August. I know you don't want to, but I think you might like it. And three at 309, punch the air for me. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Squirt, squirt. Oh, by the way, I was... Someone asked me what squirt squirt jackpot means. Squirt squirt is because the show You Up, the podcast, came from my serious XM show You Up. And on that show, 
my old co-host and I, Tom Takar, determined that we needed to name our listeners something. And this was like in 2018 when we started the show. And we were joking that it would be hilarious to just call them squirters for no reason. Because I think we were talking about squirting that day on the show. And, um, and so we were like, yeah, if we just called our listeners squirters for like no reason. And then we were like, and then when they see us in public, they'd have to say squirt, squirt. And so that's where it came from. It literally just comes from nothing. So squirt, squirt, eh, jackpot. And don't make me explain jackpot. I will at another time, but um, that's a whole other meeting. And Andrew Collin is now going to sell shirts that say jackpot on it. He just got, he just asked me for permission. He has a huge merch store now that I don't even understand who is buying sweatpants that say Andrew Collin's name on them. But I, I hope you do. Make him happy. Go over and check out his merch store. He's going to sell jack, jackpot shirts and yakpot shirts. And he asked me if I could use the word yakpot on, on the shirt. And I said, sure. I mean, you have it tattooed on your arm. So I think that gives you license, even though it was both of us that kind of came up with the catchphrase. You got it tattooed on yourself. You can put it on a goddamn shirt and make some money off of it. So if you want any of those merchandise, I will, I will sign that shirt if I ever see it at a show, which I am going on the road soon. So I'll tell you about that um, in a coming episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Say it with me now. Squirt, squirt. Uh, yakpot. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 